everyone to Flyover Footy on the Big 550 KTRS. We have a full cast and crew today, and I'm so excited to get started. We have everyone, like I said, it's Matt Baker, Santiago Beltran. Did I get that close, Santiago? <laughs> great job, great job. I like it. that. And, and Stuart Holtgren's here to join us. Stuart, let's start with you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. It's been a while. Yes. Uh, beautiful day in the South City basement that you can can't see that's uh 90 humidity down here after the rainfall well you know the last time uh we mentioned the basement on the podcast there have been floods so you know there are blessings <laughs> and there are curses i suppose in this city <laughs> uh, matt how's no it going such thing as a, a dry basement in the city that's true also true <laughs> what's up matt all good things all good things phil we were talking i had a soccer practice tonight coaching my girl and that was that went great. Getting ready to have a fun weekend of a home match, Sporting Kansas City, and then a playoff match for City Two. I don't think you could uh, ask for much more this weekend. Mm, it's it's feeling nice. We're feeling confident. We're feeling happy. Good feelings all around. Uh, and we're gonna talk about some more good things coming up. Santiago, what's up, man? What's new? You you made it no, today too, and I'm I'm really happy about it. Yeah, doing great. Excited about being on the podcast. I miss the last two or the last three so excited about being here talking about st louis city the neighbor in kansas and uh, talking about the game and excited about the weekend for sure and fresh off the ravioli boys uh commentary on the broadcast <laughs> the spanish language broadcast that was so cool and um i guess i don't think i know the whole ravioli boys story like what made you decide to throw that in on this one yeah, so uh, back on April 1st, uh, when City played Minnesota United FC at City Park, that was uh, like the team of the night. And uh, the team was selling uh, the, those ravioli boys uh, tops. And uh, when that was uh, announced, I was like, oh, I, have to, I need to have a ravioli boys goal call. And uh, then, you know, Minnesota decided to uh, spoil my party and they won one nothing so no goals to be called <laughs> and uh, it's funny because when when I was looking at um, Minnesota before we played them I, I remembered that game I was like oh, I never got to do that call and then the day before or that day of uh, the game City had a post about the game and they referred to ravioli was like okay let's do it <laughs> It was a sign. I, it made me so happy when I heard it. I always enjoy your calls, but that one, I think, was the one that made me laugh the most so far this season. <laughs> Thank you. So good. Um, okay, let's talk about this Minnesota United game. Uh, I don't know if we expected this scoreline, but we sure as heck would take it. We're going to give one little take each on what we thought about that game. And, of course, I got to bring up the flyover fallout that comes out every Monday that is a deep dive of nice, quick, reaction recap that comes out just a day or two after the game that uh, Matt and Santiago do and it's awesome do check that out on the podcast feed but for now Matt let's let's of course let's start with you on what you thought about that game I felt this was reminiscent of the San Jose Earthquakes game where it didn't seem like a game that we uh, wanted desperately to win. By that, I mean, Carnell often speaks of his blocks of games and wanting to get certain points in certain places. And I felt like this was a match where the rotation going into it, having John Bell start, having Jake Nowinski out there again, Tomas Ostrak, Celio Pompeu, 
it was clearly a rotated match. It was our third game in eight days. But my takeaway is that the rotation held and we've kind of cemented our ability to bring in subs no matter what our starting 11 looks like to be able to change the game. Talking about the difference makers that kept the scoreline what it needed to be until you had Klaus, Leuven, and AZ sub in. And the way that Carnell utilizes his subs, uh, we've seen so consistently, whether it's one or two, and then another 10 minutes later, one or two, it seems like Carnell's really starting to get into a groove with his tactical subs. And that's exciting to see as we turn this corner. Yeah, Stuart, I mean, he brought up the lineup from the beginning and you and I were both giving two different takes on. But I mean, <laughs> I do want to say that you know, I'm not trying to rub anything in because I ended up being right, but I had just as many doubts as you. So I, was, I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about that. Uh, obviously a rotated lineup, but anything you'd like to say about the Minnesota game? Well, I think I'm definitely uh, enjoying the crow that I ate after that game. Uh, <laughs> Carnell's rotation, squad rotation was very heavy for the Minnesota game. Uh, both out of, I think, necessity with uh, uh, Parker and Nielsen and also out of, I think he just, some guys needed breaks. And um, I thought the rotation, it's one of those things that if the rotation works, he's brilliant. Um, But if we lose three points and we lose out on that top spot, eventually it's one of those games we probably would look back on. But it works. Uh, Guys brought home uh, three points and... um, I'm always happy to be wrong, especially about something like that. Yeah, and it hasn't worked every time this season for sure. So I definitely understood where you were coming from on that one. Santiago, any any thoughts from you on this game? Yeah, to me, definitely, I, I got that San Jose vibe when I saw the lineup. Mm. And yeah, as, as Stuart was saying, like it could be one of those that if it goes well, great. If, it, if the team loses, could people are going to get mad and start talking about it. But to me, the main thing, uh, even though um, the rotated lineup like, like held their own and uh, kept the game scoreless and then that Minnesota goal happened, I just uh, my main takeaway is just the impact that uh, Klaus, Lewin, and AC Jackson made uh, when they came. And a minute later, City created a chance. Uh, so, yeah, the rotated lineup works, but sometimes you still need two different makers uh, to be there and um one of you guys was talking about the subs and uh it's interesting carnell talk about that today he was saying like yeah and he didn't refer to specific games and he said yeah sometimes the, the subs have not worked but uh that's part of my development as a coach and the team learns from that uh, and um i i can fi- i can i i see that um the last few times that uh, the subs have been spot on. So, so yeah, he has, he's perfecting that, that art of making the subs. I thought it was really funny the way he answered that question because I asked it on Thursday's press conference trying to get to uh, the depth more so yes. than the way he was subbing because I was trying to get to the fact that we came in with a rotated lineup and we were able to bring in Klaus Leuven and AZ who were all healthy in the second half. Like they were able to be difference makers when we were able to keep us a, a clean sheet in the run of play, that's another thing that I take away is that this was another Minnesota United game where it was a clean sheet in the run of play. They only got their goal off a of PK. It was circumstances like the rain and, and the def, like the rotated lineup did a fantastic job in holding the scoreline. But I love the way Santi that he did pivot and talk about that. I think partially because he knows that we've asked multiple times. We, we <laughs> yeah. talk about it here all the time about how second half subs, and, and this is another takeaway. Second half subs, 
have consistently impacted our ability to um, not just keep wins, but to come back. And we've often harped on the fact that Carnell's done it too late or he's waited to be the reactionary coach as opposed to the one who's on the gas pedal and making the, the changes when he first sees the need for them or he anticipates something based on what he's seeing in the run of play. And he's he's the one to facilitate the change and dynamics in the second half. I really think that over the past few games, the comments he said in the press conference on Thursday are absolutely correct. And you can see them that his growth as a coach, his growth as an, a tactician in the second half, a, a, able to recognize game flow, able to recognize when changes are needed to be made, not just personnel, but overall, if you need to, if you need to throw in a difference maker to have something be changed in a certain part of the field, he's getting to that. And that's that's m- possibly one of the most exciting things to see uh, in, in the development throughout the season, but also going into the last handful of games and into the playoffs. Because when you get into matches that are in the first round and you have the best of three, and especially after that, it's, it's, it's now or never. Like, you have to be on your game. You have to make these tactical subs. You have to make... Uh, the full 90 count and and be able to change the game yourself. Otherwise, you may not make it very far in the playoffs. Chris Gebhardt on YouTube uh, adds to that. He says it seems like he's making those subs adjustments a bit earlier, like the 60th minute or so instead yeah. of the 70, 75th minute. I think that's a good point to make as well. Um, my two half thoughts. I'm going to take two half thoughts <laughs> if that counts. Um, that's full one is that Matt, you you tweeted it after the game, and I was I was thinking the same thing. I so much agreed that this Minnesota team. Their tactics at home, or whether they changed it up in some way, were just totally different than what we saw when they played in St. Louis. And I think that worked to City's favor. You know, like if I knew they were going to play like that, it was a lot more open and they were more willing to give us some space and them some space and attack more. Um, And so if I had known that was going to come, I would have fancied our chances a little bit more anyway. Not that they didn't put up a good fight. Go ahead, Matt. No, but that credit to Carnell again. He called that out in the press conference Mm. a couple days before that, that Minnesota plays different home and away. So what we see and what we hear from them, it's not, oh, let's take what they say with a grain of salt. Because when we I feel like when we ask the right questions and we get some of these answers, they're being very transparent and being very uh, they're leading us with breadcrumbs to exactly what they're seeing and giving us little hints that, yeah, they really do know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. And the other one is is the depth. You know, it, it, it does feel like you guys kind of touched on this, but it just does feel like the fact that we were able to get several guys healthy again, some of our best players maybe three you could even say depending on which injury you're talking about and then bring in two more guys that there's just so much firepower now for Carnell to work with not to mention kind of figuring out the fullback position which has just been such a shamble it's been not a shamble sorry it's just been work you know being a work in progress throughout the whole season and it feels much more settled now and I think it just gives more freedom you know there's no worry like hey we can bring this guy and accept is this person going to be protected on the wings kind of thing? So, you know, I think it's just we've settled in at the right time. And, you know, can we capitalize on this final run here into the playoffs? Lots to more, lots more to talk about here on the Big 550 KTRS. Thank you so much for joining us for Flyover Footy. And um, throughout the week here, we get Santiago, we get Matt kind of going to training, going to press conferences, and we kind of have some, some thoughts, some notes on the week for St. Louis and Minnesota. So, Matt, if you'd like to get us started on that, that'd be great. 
yeah, this week I feel has been a good indication of just seeing how veterans can react to training and what they need to be doing midweek and as the week progresses later on in the season. Because now that we're about to turn the page into October, we're, we're wrapping up the regular season in the next few weeks, you're seeing some of the things that veterans need to do. Guys like Tim Parker and Joachim Nilsson. Parker sat out training earlier this week, nursing a hamstring injury. Uh, he didn't play. One of the reasons he didn't travel and play him and Joachim Nilsson were the hamstring injury. The turnaround was too quick for him. Joachim Nilsson, same thing with his knee. So just making sure that these guys were were healthy and rested. Sam and Denron also had a tight calf muscle uh, for the game against Minnesota. These these are some of the guys who took things into Minnesota that we didn't really have a lot of insight on. And so they were they were worked in this week a little more easily. So you have Parker with the hamstring, Nilsson with the knee, Adeneron with a tight calf muscle. You had Edu Leuven and Tim Parker training separately earlier in the week. Uh, Rasmus Alm of, came back after an abdominal groin injury. They were they were glad that he wasn't able or he wasn't necessary to play against Minnesota. They said he could have gone 15 to 20. But all of these guys back into training as of Thursday, it seemed like everybody should be a full go uh, minus Johnny Nelson and minus Lucas Bartlett, who really hadn't featured for City proper in quite some time. And so when you're looking at who we expect to see minutes or who we would we would categorize as either necessary or likely to, you're looking at a full full health just about. Parker, Nilsson, Adeneron, Alm, Leuven, all back in training on Thursday. The only one who was missing was Josh Yarrow. Josh Yarrow was said to have some back tightness after the game against Minnesota. And so he's going to be he probably will be questionable on the player availability sheet, I would expect going into Saturday night. And so he's going to be one of those players that Carnell sees how the treatment responds. And he's he's one of the only players, I believe, that is really a question mark going into Sporting Kansas City. So no, no one training on the side, even they everyone was full training, full participants. Lucas Bartlett was over there. Um and, and Johnny Nelson was out still, but yeah, no, no, none of the players that I mentioned, Parker, Nelson, Adeneron, Alm, Leuven, they were all with the team. Man, that's so, so nice to hear. Santiago, any thoughts from you this week that you saw in, in training and stuff? No, no, it's just, um, just very quick. Just, um, it's great to, to see that the team has been able to manage, uh, some of those minor injuries, uh, that's great going into the playoffs, going with a healthy team and having all those options. And um, today, Carnell said that, like, um, he was like, when the, all these guys are doing well, yeah, it's a huge problem for me, but it's a good problem to have, you know? <laughs> Stuart, anything stand out to you about the news this week, just like the, the training and the pressers and the, the stuff coming out on Twitter this week? Anything you'd like to mention? Well, one thing I'd that just came out today that everyone should watch is there's a new hype video for this Saturday um, that absolutely the club knocked it out of the park with. So uh, if you're driving, don't watch it now. But uh, (laughs) once you get to your destination, pull that one up and watch it. You can see it on the app or on the club's social medias. Ah, sweet. Flyover Footy Hype in the City app. Look at that. Mm. (laughs) Well, we want to keep them on our good side here. (laughs) Keep us on their good side, rather. Um, Well, let's start talking about uh, Kansas City. Matt's got tons of stats or uh, facts brought up here that that he can talk about. Matt, lead lead the way, sir. Let's jump in like we usually do. Form standings. St. Louis comes into this match, we know, first in the West with 53 points through 31 games on a 16-10-5 record. 16 wins, 10 losses, 5 draws. 58 goals scored, 39 goals allowed. That's a plus 19 goal differential. 
keeping in mind that we're an expansion team and we're starting to talk about records as far as goal differential, total wins. City comes into this 10-3-2 at home. City Park is a clear fortress. In the last few games for St. Louis City, we won against Minnesota United 2-1. We drew LAFC midweek, and then we drew Houston the weekend before that. 1-0-2 in our last three matches in eight days. Some interesting notes as far as um, looking at our goal scoring and some of our clean sheets. We have not lost in a shutout in MLS play since June 7th in that resumption of play against FC Dallas. So if if we if we have a clean sheet or if we shut out, uh, if we are shut out, it's it's in a tie. Like we we are just consistent in that regard. Um, City has also not lost in a shutout at home in MLS play since Minnesota United back on April 1st, and it's mm. the only time this year. I mentioned these because if we're looking at score predictions and things like that, where you do on the app on Saturdays, think about the fact that we haven't lost in a shutout at home in MLS play since Minnesota. We haven't uh, lost in a shutout in general since June 7th. We haven't lost at home in general since June 21st against RSL, where Leuven, Klaus, and Nielsen were all out. There's a lot of indicators that are pointing to positive things happening for City in this match. Sporting Kansas City, though, just like with Minnesota United hunting for the playoffs, Sporting Kansas City is currently sitting 10th in the West on 38 points through 31 games. They have a 10-13-8 record with 41 goals scored, 44 goals against, and a minus three goal differential. They are 2-7-6 on the road this year. Um, there is a, there's also an interesting stat that Daniel Sperry, one of the writers for Casey Star, put out on Twitter that I don't have in front of me, but I believe it is the fact that the records of Sporting Kansas City and St. Louis City since May 1st are almost identical. And they have a, yeah. a one. You want me to say it? Yes, please. All right. So uh, since May 1st, Sporting KC, 10, 6, and 5, and City, 10, 7, and 4, over 21 games. There you go. And, oh. and this has been, you can see the trajectory of Crazy. the first half of the season, vastly different for each team, and that's played the difference in where we are now. Both teams in pretty good form. Last few games for Sporting Kansas City, though, have been very up and down. Uh, their last three, they won at home 2-1 to one over the Houston Dynamo. They lost 3 to nothing at home against Nashville, and they won one nothing away at Minnesota. Since League's Cup, Sporting Kansas City is 3-3-0. Very topsy-turvy. And they're able to do this against teams of vastly different styles. And I asked Carnell about that on Thursday's press conference. And, and it's very respectable about what their DNA is. They know the DNA of Sporting Kansas City. They know their style of play and what they like to run at you, regardless of who their opposition is. And I think it speaks more to Sporting Kansas City's ability to play within themselves as opposed to uh, dictating their play to try and, and, and stymie the opposition. Talking about teams like... Um, Houston, Minnesota, Miami, St. Louis, San Jose. When we talked about the styles of play from possession to pressing all across the board in these, and they're pretty much even since League's Cup in all of these. So the way that they play, and, and St. Louis has seen them twice that we're going to get to, but it's just interesting that 3-3-0 three, since, since League's Cup, and they've had a, uh, a, you know, a couple wins here in the past few games. They're, they're coming into this not in the greatest of forms, but they're coming into this fighting for their playoff lives. Great. Let's go straight into availability. This is always super helpful from you guys throughout the week. I, I uh, encourage everyone to be following Santiago and Matt on uh, Twitter um, or X uh, to find this kind of X. stuff out regularly. <laughs> 
Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. So the availability is of last week. You know, they've got they had a couple players out last week. Um, Courtney Ford, Caden Pierre. But the questionable list is actually going to be fairly interesting from an injury perspective. So they had Graham Zusi questionable. They have uh, Tim Leibold questionable. The two difference makers that are going to be very, very important to watch for. One is that Johnny Russell is out for this game against St. Louis City. Johnny Russell picked up a red card suspension last week against Houston, and they they appealed it. Sporting Kansas City appealed it this week. Their appeal was not only denied, but Russell was further fined for time wasting. Mm which was hilarious to see. <laughs> yeah. So they've, they've had that to deal with, and, and obviously Peter Vermee's not happy about that, but we're not going to have Johnny Russell patrolling the wing. We also don't know how much we're going to see of Alan Polito. Alan Polito, with a quad contusion last week, he had a quad injury that kept him out previously, mm-hmm. and Peter Vermees has said that he will likely be in the game day roster, though mm-hmm. he doesn't know if he's going to start or feature and it sounds really guarded as far as how much of Alan Polito we're going to see. Polito just got a new contract, so he's going to be with Kansas City. I think it was a two-year extension or something like that. 2026, 20, I think. Oh, it's longer than that. Yeah, or maybe 20, two years 26. extended on top of this season. Either way, um, you know, and everyone's just I mean, talking him up, saying he's one of the best, you know, natural number nines in MLS, which is pretty high praise, and I don't know if I disagree he was great in that game against St. Louis in Kansas yeah, City. I, I like how he plays when, when he's healthy. That mm. that has been his problem, that right. he has missed a lot of time for Sporting KC. But this year, he has been doing so well. 13 goals scored. He scored two goals against against City. And I like how he moves and how he plays when, when healthy. It's just that he has been unlucky with, with the injuries. Yeah, and you look at what Sporting Kansas City has done, and I think you can attribute a lot of their success in the past two-thirds of the season to Pulido and Russell. Um, You look at guys like Eric Tommy and Daniel Shallowy, they've been with the team for basically the entire season. Uh, Tommy's had 29 games started, Shallowy's had 30, but Pulido and Russell, they've missed significant time this year uh, with Pulido having 23 games started, Russell with 19. And so it really does feel like Sporting Kansas City is a vastly different team when they don't have these two goal scorers, these two chance creators on the team. And they're really key to a lot of their their top statistical categories, their top goal scorers overall. Polito leads the team with 13. Shallowy has seven and Johnny Russell has five. Eric Tommy has four. Everyone else three or below. And nobody else's XG is above 2.7 outside of that core Mm -hmm. group of four. These are the four players to keep in mind. Well, three if you don't count Russell because he's out. Since League's Cup, in fact, the goal breakdown has been basically that. It's Alan Polito with three goals, Daniel Shallowy with two, Johnny Russell with two, Eric Tommy, Gotti Kinda. They've each had one, and they've only had 10 goals. So these are predominantly their goal scorers, especially in the past few games. Even assist-wise, Shallowy has five assists, Tommy has five assists, Gotti Kinda four, Russell three, everyone else two or below key passes even the, the passes that, that get into the final third into the penalty box that lead to some of these shot creations overall in the season shallowy has 53 eric tommy 41 johnny russell 27 alan Polito 24 and nobody else above 20 the ball moves through these four players and as they go so goes their team so it's not it's not a surprise if you're taking two of these players out of the equation that they're going to be a significantly different team Interesting. It's going to be kind of like if we had two Leuvens and both of them were out in, in a game or something like that. Um, 
but it really is a lot similar to what City struggles have been without yeah. Klaus and Leuven. It's yeah. multiple multiple games to figure out what to do for City when we're missing one and both of them. For Sporting Kansas City, they've been kind of up and down as far as uh, Polito's injury, but when they're missing both of them, they really struggle to find their own identity. Yeah, and so you know, can they respond? Can like st louis did i mean gosh it, we're we're so so lucky to have a team that did figure that out Stuart, any thoughts on any of these i know that johnny russell red card is kind of a crazy one any any of these other guys out or what uh skc is going to do with their personnel uh, in this one any thoughts well johnny russell has a huge impact on the field from an offensive standpoint but he's also sporting casey's captain yeah. um and he's a huge leadership voice for that club so not having him available for the next three matches is really a huge blow to Sporting KC beyond uh, simply what he'll bring on the field. Uh, we, I, on the away game in Kansas City, um, his tackling was he, – he was very aggressive on his tackling, so it caught up to him hmm. um, against Houston. But there were a couple times against us where he came in, studs up, for the ball and you it's really close to just moments and inches away from getting getting carded and um he he definitely earned that red card at a really bad time for him and the the club uh great time for us (laughs) and really you know sporting fans will be melting down if they have to see shelton leading line on saturday but i would i would well, knock on wood, I, I would love to see that. But uh, now that I say that, um, I have a bad feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just like the quintessential Scottish player. He is such a good leader. He's very fiery on the field. He's very talented and puts in heavy tackles, like you said. But he's also like the one that frustrates the most because he will dive quite often. It's like a weird mix of, of the two uh, that I, you often see with these these Scottish guys. Um, oh, yeah. I'd- and Russell was the one who jumped into the stands, remember, to yell at uh, some of the fans of the Cauldron. Uh, was that, that earlier this year or last year? I feel like it was last year, but I I, I would mess that up. Crazy. Could have been, could have been earlier this year, but uh, yeah, I don't remember the exact time. Fiery man. Um, another funny one is that SKC is in tenth grade, uh, tenth place, and as Matt said earlier. Um, still in the conversation for the playoffs because <laughs> this is MLS, right? And that's one of the stories that Matt has for us here moving forward. Yeah, I have two big stories to follow. The first is obvious. It's the third time these teams have met. St. Louis City won 4 to nothing on May 20th and Sporting KC won September 2nd. The differences here, um, and, and, I, and you could see these carrying forward into what the biggest difference is this weekend, is where City won, it was their first match they won without Klaus. The 2-1 to one win that Sporting Kansas City had, Klaus didn't start. So I, I, I asked him today in the Thursday press conference, because Klaus was available, the fact that he hasn't played a full night, he hasn't been fully fit in any of these games, so does this mean a little extra to him? And he was played it cool as a cucumber no it's just a it's another game it's the next game it's big because we have opportunities to to make the 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 playoff stretch easier for ourselves home field and we we know our fans want this so he had those those typical things you would expect him to say but i think he's excited for it just because this is his first opportunity to really get into the foray into the mix of sporting kc st louis city for the full 90 and the other big story that i have which is 
kind of interesting from a laughing at Sporting Kansas City perspective <laughs> is that Sporting Kansas City is on the cusp of history themselves. They haven't missed the playoffs in back-to-back years since 2007. They joined the Western Conference in 2015, so they've at least made the playoffs every other year since joining the conference. A loss plus FC Dallas, San Jose Earthquakes, and the Vancouver Whitecaps winning will make it awfully difficult for Sporting Kansas City to come back. Mm. So look at this game as St. Louis City has the opportunity to win and put ourselves in home field advantage in the first round and near driver's seat of winning the conference in our first year. Massive history, absolutely insane amount of history there. But we also have the opportunity to deal the death blow for Sporting Kansas City's playoff chances Mm. where they would miss the playoffs back-to-back for the first time since 2007. Oh, man. How does that make you feel, Stuart? Oh, full of joy. Uh, <laughs> especially next week against RSL away. I mean, there's there's no easy games left. My and uh, Minnesota is going to want revenge on that final decision day uh, to get an away win in, in KC after KC won in Allianz. Um yeah, no, if they were knocked out. But it, it really does show uh, how successful sporting has been. And ultimately, their model is one for a mid-market team such as St. Louis that I think a lot of uh, clubs in MLS want to follow. They, they kind of have that ideal uh, success rate. Yep, the uh, parody has finally caught up to him a little bit here. And uh, I'm so glad you said that, Stuart, because, yes, there are rivals, but they have been so successful. They are a historic club. We um, are willing to admit that every weekend, but maybe not once Saturday hits, right? (laughs) All right. uh, Good stuff. Matt, poor Matt has so many notes that we have to cover here, and we probably only got about seven minutes for you to do some of that, Matt. So I'm going to let you go, Matt, and then we'll do our our guesses for the weekend. As as soon as uh, the time comes, I'll cut you off here. This is where we joke that I sound like I might be going two times speed, but I promise <laughs> I'm not. So don't adjust your podcast. Uh, we, we know a lot about Sporting Kansas City. We know they play in a 4-3-3. We know that their style is the antithesis of St. Louis City. We've played them twice. It, like I mentioned earlier, they're not really surprising in what they do. But just some things to look at when you're watching this is we know St. Louis is the most direct and has the second fewest passes per sequence. We're a very quick team, very direct team. Sporting Kansas City is on the opposite end of that spectrum near a Seattle Sounders, Columbus Crew. They're the eighth slowest team in MLS in direct speed, the fifth most passes per sequence. They're very methodical in what they do. They have a transition offense, but it is a lot more methodical in the sense that they will wait to get numbers high. But the moment that they do, they'll work the ball in from those wide angles, having to spread the defense out thin, and they'll pounce on those goals. It's exactly how they stretched us out Mm -hmm. when we played them on September 2nd, and they look to do that regularly. It's not an aberration. Specific emphasis that they play on central players hanging back to find space. Think Alan Polito, think Eric Tommy in the game that we played in Kansas. And they look to wear out their opponents, especially those who press by quickly moving the ball around the field. They possess, they switch a lot. They'll move the ball around. They have some of the highest numbers of 10 plus passing sequences. If anybody remembers the match we played against them on September 2nd, they were coming off of some of the most record setting number of passing sequences. They had multiple 20 plus pass sequences in the game before us that they played. This team is not afraid to possess the ball, not afraid to move the ball around. They control over 50% of the possession through their entire defensive half on both wings, just all over the field on their own side. The only area that they of the field that they do not control greater than 50% possession is between the channels in the opposition half. 
And that's the exact opposite for St. Louis City. St. Louis City, we know they, they when they play it out of the back, they play it very uh, intentionally from their center backs, and they try to move the ball up the field quickly. Think of Parker to Blom up to AZ, very quickly moving it up, or sending it to a fullback that moves up the space, sends it across. Vastly different ideas, and if St. Louis is successful, then they'll be able to counterattack Sporting Kansas City. That's what that's what a key to this match is going to be is St. Louis City often inviting Sporting Kansas City, but staying tight and compact, especially in the middle, not allowing space, not allowing some of those transition moments to spread out and provide space between our fullbacks and our center backs. Go back and watch the game a little bit. Watch the highlights from September 2nd, because both of those goals are examples A and B of what we need to watch out for consistently. That's that's a hallmark of their offense. Those aren't lucky goals. They weren't random. They were very intentional and they they are very successful when they're able to do that. Even when you think about yeah, so Kansas goals, uh, yeah, definitely what you're talking about. But if mm-hmm. you go back and look at City's goal, same thing. What you were saying, like mm-hmm. uh, like close down the middle and then uh, quick transitions. That that's how Samarina scored that goal. Yeah, and the great thing is uh, Sam Adenaron almost had a second goal but if he wasn't ruled offside in that September 2nd game. And you look at what Klaus will be able to do and what he'll try to do, and it's holding those same lines and trying to have those game break, game, those line-breaking runs. And when he's successful doing that, he plays the ball off to our fellow attackers very well. Look to see AZ Jackson involved in a whole lot of these attacks. If Rasmus Alm's out there, the same. Nico Joachini. Uh, you look for a lot of these quick-playing movements when we stretch the field a lot. And some of the passing sequences, some of the passing networks that we've seen from Sporting Kansas City really speak to that, where they're very tight and compact in their in the central midfield, and they're, they create a lot of wide space. So their attackers in this 4-3-3 do tend to be very wide. When you have Shallowy and when you have Russell out there, they're very successful moving it wide. So that's going to be some of the big question marks is with Russell out, and with Polito potentially out to start the game, are they going to have as much success finding space and be as high level as they usually are with these players in pulling some of the backline defenses wide and creating space either either hanging back or with some of the quick movements into the channel? And I don't know that they've really shown that this year. That may be one of the big issues that they've had is the individual high-level abilities for Sporting Kansas City are so strong. They create a ton of chances through individual skill with their their three attackers, with Eric Tommy, with Gadi Kinda. And if they are losing two of these players, that's just less for City to have to focus on when it comes to these high-level 1v1s. And I think that gives City an absolute implicit advantage. Stuart, any thoughts on what you think KC might be doing in this game or maybe what you'd like to see from either team in this game? Uh, we'll get into lineups in uh, probably a few mm-hmm. minutes uh, if we have time. Um, but personally, I would obviously love to see uh, Adenaran get revenge off that second goal that he got called offsides for. So a big, big match from him and uh, a brace would be what I would like to see, especially uh, tactically wise. I mean, I always want to take it to them when you're at home. Um, and I mean, I expect we'll see that as well. I agree. I, I always hammer, um, you know, interceptions and dual percentage when it when we come up against teams like this. And Kansas City got us in the last one, um, and I think that was a big part of it in that game. And, and the stats did kind of uh, point that out as well. And so, you know, with or without Johnny Russell, Polito, that's still something that 
Sporting Kansas City is always going to have on their side as long as Peter Vermees is at the helm. And it's always been that way since the beginning of, of time with him. So, um, you know, I just watch for that with City. I hope they do a little bit better job winning those duels, being the better man 1v1 in those situations. Uh, and it's going to be a, a challenge for sure. And, you know, and it's interesting to watch, too. You know, I, you know, I rewatched that game and, and Casey would have these long several passes long and and the more they pass the longer they have possession that's kind of like the more that they get invited into our half of the field and while that's not how city wants to play that's also where those transition moments are so lethal with sam adeneron especially in that last game so you know it, it it's it's a scary game of of baiting people back and forth and um you know it, it'll be an interesting one to watch um, I do think that their injuries are going to hurt their goal scoring opportunities. So I think that's like if if they're going to have to defend all of, all the better. So if we can just get one of those goals, Stuart, I love that shout for a brace for Sam. Uh, let's make that happen because I think it's going to be over at that point if if it does. And Matt, I kind of cut you off too soon. I thought you had a lot more to say. You can have we have time for a little bit more if you'd like to, and then we'll do predictions. Yeah, I was I was going to I was going to ask you guys, do you think Sporting Kansas City comes into this game knowing that they might be down in their attack? Do they do you think they still attempt to be all out to win this game or knowing that they're coming in here, um, a point would help them further climb into that ninth spot? Would they ever be satisfied with a point or is this more of an opportunity for City because they're going to be willing to and almost need three points coming out of this, leaving themselves a little potentially exposed, especially compared to how they've been playing, um, where they're more dropping back and and not in, in, protecting against the counterattack? To me, they are coming uh, with that need of getting three points. And yep. I think that's what they're going to game plan for. Uh, if they get one point, they are still not out. But then you start depending on our results. Remember that they have played one more game than uh, Dallas, uh, San Jose, Vancouver. So after this game, they will only have two left. And uh, if City wins and uh, Dallas, San Jose, Vancouver win, like it will, it will be too difficult for a Sporting KC to make up that difference. So I think they're going to try to go all out, and that's going to create some spaces and opportunities for City. That is, that's exactly what I was thinking, to the point where it's even more of an advantage for City because the pressure is entirely on Kansas City in this match. St. Louis would be, I think we would all as fans be disappointed with the draw. We would be absolutely devastated with the loss, but the pressure is on Kansas City to, to get three points at City Park to keep their playoff hopes alive in, in practicality. Like, they would be able to do it, but it'd be so difficult with a loss. And so they're going to be playing, I think, so much more aggressively than we're used to, even without their skilled goal scorers in uh, Russell and Pulido. If Pulido is able to make a, a go at it in the second half, that could be a difference maker to watch out for. But these provide opportunities to free the midfield up in some of those half spaces where we're able to be a little more intentional with allowing them to, in, in, almost inviting them to come into our defensive half and then cut off these spaces and move the ball quickly. Hmm. So we can be a little more methodical than I think we may used to be, but still we need to keep that fighting edge. We can't be too lackadaisical in this and, and very, very quickly cut off spaces in the lanes. That's going to be where the thing to watch is, are we, how effective are we in our defensive half? 
because that's where everything's going to start. It usually does when we start these transitions, but it's going to be more so where Sporting Kansas City is going to be trying to find all these spaces and trying to find quick opportunities because if they don't get a goal in the first half, I think they start to get a little more desperate. And then the second half subs where that could be if if the game progresses to a tie or a draw in the second half, I think the second half subs that Vermees is going to be making, likely with Polito being one of them, is going to lead to a little more desperation. And so if that happens, City has an even bigger opportunity to spread the field and be be catching them in some overloads in their attack, in our attacking half. And that's where a lot of the opportunities to really open up the game will be in the second half. Interesting. They're almost like, I guess you guys are kind of a short way to say that is they're handcuffed by their schedule. It's too difficult and they don't have enough points and they don't have much choice here, do they? No, honestly. And that's why things like the beginning of the season run, when you compare records since yeah. May 1st, matters to an extent in form. But when you when you start off as hot as St. Louis did and you start off as cold as Sporting Kansas City did, it leads to these desperate moments, two, three, four games from the end where you're not just fighting to say, oh, we want to wrap this up with two games to go. Mm. You're saying we need to be more desperate. We need to play outside of ourselves a little bit and be more willing to go after something to get goals, to win on the road, putting putting yourselves in such a bad position. And that's what Sporting Kansas City's done. They've put themselves in a really poor position to be able to not just say that we control our own destiny, but saying we, we not only need to win, but we need other teams to lose. And that's always a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and that 21 game comparison since May 1st, uh, as I think about it, so before May 1st, uh, Alan Pulido was out for uh, yep. Sporting KC for for a while. And yes. then if you think about City after May 1st, obviously Klaus was, that was the beginning of Klaus being out. And then uh, City lost Leuven. So it's, it's not an apples to apples comparison to me. Exactly. Mm, I like exactly. it. Exactly. All right, it's prediction time. This is Flyover Footy. We're on the big 550 KTRS. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you feel well-informed for this game coming up against Kansas City here in just a little bit if you're listening on the radio. And, uh, Matt, let's start with you. Let's get a lineup at least. I don't know if we'll have time for score predictions, but we'll see. Go for it. I think we'll make it. I, I wanted to see either one attacking fullback. And so I've got Markanik, Nilsson, Parker, Nerwinski on our back line, plus Berkey. Leuven and Blom in the midfield, AZ and Stroud in our attacking mids, Klaus and Nico as our attackers. And my, my score, because I'll just go ahead and add my score prediction, is 3-1 City. Santiago? I have the same lineup as Matt, except uh, I have Celio instead of Stroud. Mm-hmm. And my prediction is 2-0 City. All right. What do you think, Stuart? Um, my lineup is also similar, but I'm going to have uh, Adeniran instead of Nico. Um, and I think that right back spot is going to be the really interesting one. Do you go with Irwinski or Watts at this point? Uh, and I'm going to go 3-2 with uh, Sporting getting a late consolation goal for a game that's not as close as the score. Yep, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, let's make sure to get the playoff scenario to keep in mind, too, because that's important to know going into this. A win by St. Louis City on Saturday over Sporting Kansas City clinches home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs. A win with a tie or loss by both Seattle and LAFC. Seattle plays on Saturday. LAFC plays on Sunday. A tie or loss by those teams would clinch the Western Conference Championship. There's no other scenario mm-hmm. that really can, can occur because of Vancouver's draw on Wednesday. So it's these scenarios. We need Seattle to lose or draw on Saturday. We need LAFC to lose or draw on Sunday. And we need St. Louis City to win against Sporting Kansas City. 
God bless you guys putting out these scenarios because I it's not something I want to think about. I just want to read it and be done with it. So thank you. Um, I, just quickly, mine is, Stuart, I'm mind-melding with you. I, I absolutely agree. I think Sam starts this one over Nico just because of what happened in that last game. I think he's in their head a little bit. And, yeah, the right-back question. It's a big one. I hope we can talk about it a little bit more as we go into the wind-down, which is the last portion of our podcast a version of our uh, show here. So if you're listening on the radio, you can catch another 30 minutes of more laid back conversation and talk about what we just feel like talking about on the team, about City and the games that come up. Sometimes we touch on that. Sometimes we touch on just off topic stuff. So please do join us on the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. We're there. We're on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, review. It just, it helps us. I'm sorry. I had to say it. That's it, everybody. We're Flyover Footy on the big 550 KTRS. Thank you again for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Go City. begun cheers uh, <laughs> Stuart can't stay with us long so I want to make sure you know Stuart you cheers. shine in, in the wind down it's my favorite portion to have you in on and so I want to give you a chance to talk about whatever you want I don't know if you have anything you can tease today uh, but please do that if you can before you go and then kind of talk about what you like uh, I can't say anything okay. uh, to be honest but um, I, had to try. I, had I to am going to have fun on Saturday and I think everyone else will have fun on Saturday yes um, it's uh, uh, at the end when we were talking about lineups kind of touched on uh, the right back question of Nerwinski and how he's kind of come back into the fold a little bit with with uh, his good form um, and now that I'm thinking about it do you guys think there's any way that Nelson gets a, a, a third chance really or is Markanik so stamped in that yeah no, I'm, I'm sitting here nodding. I'm uh, shaking my head, and I think I, I'll make a bold prediction right now since we're on the wind down. I think Johnny Nelson has played his last minutes with City. I don't think that's too bold, to be honest. I like I, I like Johnny as a person, but I don't, yes. I don't think that's too bold. He, yeah. I, I loved him at the beginning of the season, um, and I and I love him as a, a player. You know, and his story coming back from freaking back surgery is incredible. Yeah but I just don't see it in the, the tea leaves of City's roster construction right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there, Matt. And yeah, Johnny Nelson is a, a great guy. But when when City signed Markanik, uh, I think that the writing on the wall was kind of there, uh, especially with Markanik doing so well. And um, so, so yeah, sadly, I think um, you are correct and uh, he won't play anymore unless something happens, you know? It's wild. Which anything could happen too, right? Because all of a sudden we're talking about Jake Nerwinski on the right side stepping back in and being as viable as he was at the beginning of the season. Everybody has their ebbs and flows in form. Carnell's really a a man of if you prove yourself in training and you you be that best person at your position, you're going to find time in games. And it just doesn't seem like that's been the case for Johnny Nelson. Yeah, and he's also injured, so that's not going to help his cause. Exactly. 
Nelson's injured? Is that what you said? Yeah, he's out for yeah. two, two to three weeks now oh. with, uh, I believe it was a hamstring injury. I think he's, if he doesn't play for us, I could see him getting another shot next year, but I think ideally he goes somewhere else. Maybe it's just to see, uh, you know, a, a, a fit, a style fit. So I hope that's all it is. Um, and I do think he'd be very serviceable anywhere. You know, I think he's going to make a comeback. Agreed. What do you think, Stuart? Any other thoughts on that? Well, I, I could see him fitting for one of the bigger USLC clubs if he goes to like a San Antonio next year or, or Rowdies. Um, one of those who are willing to pay a little bit more for a little bit more quality, like uh, what Johnny would bring to the table. Be curious to see how he, he did. Um, I did learn this last week that the uh, Swiss League is hard to follow. I don't know if you guys yes. saw or were tracking Pedro's start for Zilm. Um, I couldn't. No, so Fat Mob's really the only way, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I think he went. They they got. I think it was this most recent game that they got absolutely pounded. Oh, um, both the last games. I think there was a uh, cup match that I couldn't find a lineup for exactly. But yeah, I think they've lost like a total in the last two games it's like 14 to 1 or something like that yeah 12, oh 12 to 2 they lost 5 to 1 to Banik Ostrava which is I honestly have never heard of that team so they, they're not losing mm. to like young boys right. or um, but his team is uh, like a lower table team correct yeah. me if I'm wrong right yeah no they're uh, Czech Republic League I was thinking Swiss like yeah, 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 but but they yeah. they were when when he was loan. Uh, I think they were like a second to last or maybe last position. Yeah, yeah, they're last negative okay. uh, seventeen goal differential in nine matches. That's that's pretty oh, rough. That's that rough. rough. It's going to be a tough season for him. I hope he helps them improve at the very least. Um, but. Stuart, I don't think we answered, and I, I think we should start with your opinion. What is the Norwinsky versus Watts argument after that last game? Because Norwinsky looked really good, didn't he? I think he earned another another opportunity. Um, I've been pretty critical of Jake over the course of the year. I think some of that's founded and some unfounded. Um, but he really performed well, and I think you reward that good form with a, with a start here. And... Um, then we find our our ideal 11 and nail it down before the playoffs begin on the ideal 11 it's funny because <laughs> i i always view us, our asymmetrical approach um as kind of the thing that that best suits us so you have three at the back when you're on the attack and you you take one of your fullbacks you move them forward um this last game we actually ran out with uh, Hebert and Norwinski, or I'm sorry, um, yeah, wasn't it Hebert and Norwinski get the start last week? So we had two defensive, defensive-minded mm-hmm. fullbacks. And Jake Norwinski has said it himself that Carnell kind of views him more defensive-minded versus Akeel, and that seems kind of obvious, but it's the truth nonetheless. And most of the time this year, we've actually run with either Hebert or Watts or Markanik or Norwinski lately, and in. It's interesting that we were able to win with two defensive-minded fullbacks. Jake Derwinski gives amazing service in the in, into the attacking third. He his crosses are fantastic, and 
the thing that I think really you can point to that hits Stu's comment is the fact that if you watch the replay of the Minnesota game, and Santi and I talked about this on Fallout, right as he's getting ready to cross to Klaus, you can see that there's no, you don't need to say words. You just do a quick little point and Nerwinski placed it in the perfect space. Klaus knew exactly where he needed to be mm. and he found it. If you're, you're, you're basically needing to find people who can feed Klaus the ball to an extent. Like Klaus is such a clinical goal scorer that if you can trust that Jake Nerwinski can send in these balls and have this kind of relationship with Klaus, like that is that that's got to increase like some implicit XG stats somewhere <laughs> like just the comfortability of it like g plus or one of those stats that lead into like what you do on and off the ball like klaus seems like he plays well with that type of a player and if it's the same type of player you can count on to be solid defensively both as a right back and as a right center back which Nerwinski has shown he can do both of very well then totally agree with Stu. i think that that quote really weighed on me and i overthought it and so I'm going to share these overthoughts with everybody here since it's the wind down um, that it was in. I could tell by the way Nerwinski phrased his response, like he made it clear that Carnell thinks of him as a defensive fullback, but that it seemed like he didn't want to admit like that's not necessarily true. <laughs> I got that vibe at least. So I thought that was super interesting. And so, you know, I only say that because you also mentioned that he played with Hebert. Um, but in the past, I think he was used with Markanik, and he was told recently, it was like one wrinkle recently where he stayed back as like that third defender rather than it being mm-hmm. Blom or Hebert or whatever. And so I do think that was kind of a single game thing. So I don't want to nail him down, perhaps. I want to give him a chance at, because like you said, I think he's got... Unfortunately for him, I think he has the second best wide service out of all of our defenders, and I think the best might be Watts. <laughs> but he's better than both our left backs, or all of our left backs for that matter, if whoever you want to consider. So um, that was such a cool wrinkle, though. I'm so glad you guys pointed out that. Um, I think it was actually, uh, it wasn't a podcaster that pointed that out originally, was it? I think it was like a, a City fan. It was cool. Either way, it's a really cool thing to 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 see that that play play out. Stuart, anything else you want to mention in this one? Uh, I know there's some questions about the City Two playoff game, but I'm um, just it's coming, it's coming. Mm-hmm. It's going to be amazing. First ever uh, professional playoff game at City Park. I love that. Interesting. Um, first of many, many, many of those home yeah. playoff games to come. Just. Uh, G- just one thing I'm going to have to drop off, but uh, if you guys have thoughts about the uh, inner Miami uh, season ticket price rise for next year at some point, or if people want to look that up on their own, on their own time, uh, just something to be thankful of our front office on that. We're not even after this successful year and how the huge, the demands become, we're not really seeing a massive spike in uh, ticket prices. That's massive. I agree. Yeah, two to three times this year is what I saw. Yes, somewhere as much as five times. Yeah, and part of me is not surprised, although obviously disappointed because of what we've seen in the past couple of weeks that Messi's not guaranteed to play at all. And so Mm -hmm. to charge Messi prices 
for every game, uh, every home game of the season where he's just as likely to play as any other player. He's just as likely to get injured as any other player, more so even with his age and just the way all the, the, you know, the human body works. And you're asking every single one of your season ticket holders to pay every to pay as if they're getting uh, guaranteed to see Messi every game. That, that does rub me a little bit the wrong way. And I think it furthers the, the issues that we saw in the first few games that Messi played in League's Cup, where the Drive Pink Stadium was not full for every single one of those games because the ticket prices, the individual ticket prices were so exorbitant. They were so gougy that it priced a ton of people out. And the, the happy medium that we wish could have been found, it seems like Miami has just gone full on into... We know we think everybody's going to pay this for the chance to see Messi, even if it's um, thousands of dollars more than they paid uh, for the privilege to see him without those costs. And so I'm sure on some level, Miami's like, oh, well, we didn't increase their ticket prices this year to see Messi. And so next year they should be thankful that we didn't do that. And this this makes up for it. I'm sure there's some way they talk themselves into it, but it's it's really unfortunate for uh any i'd say any soccer fan in miami especially because that, this is not how you build a fan base it's not how you retain a fan base it's not how you continue to grow the soccer culture in any given market and i wonder what it's going to do for the long-term viability of inter miami because the odds of a team taking a season ticket price and lowering it by a significant margin any given year, regardless of the factors, that that chance is so minute. Like, can you imagine if City it, five years from now were just to say, you know what, we we think we we had your prices were too expensive this year, and so next year we're going to lower them by fifteen percent. Can you ever imagine mm-hmm. a professional cl- a club doing that, especially in America? I could never imagine that. So now you're getting to a point with Inter Miami. Thinking long term, Messi's only going to be here for another year and a half, two years, or whatever his contract is. So, what happens after that? Are, is Inter Miami and they get the new stadium bump? Is what they're going to expect? Mm. And yeah, mm, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so I, it, I think they're gambling on 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 all of that. Uh, and um, yeah, Messi's going to be gone in two years. But besides having Messi, I think they're also doing some good things with the way they are handling the roster and yeah. getting some young players. And uh, I think they are counting on that, that these players will develop within the next two years and that they are continue, they're going to continue having a good team and uh, the new stadium. So I think for now, they are not worried about that. And it's one of those things, like um, you have enough demand that uh, if some season ticket holders walk away, there's probably going to be somebody who will be willing to pay that price, even though it's unknown if Messi is going to be healthy and, and when he's going to be back and all of that. So, uh, but yeah, it's an interesting situation, but I think they are just gambling on, on the, having Messi for some games and uh, putting together a good team and uh, then the new stadium. So for now, I don't think they are worried about that. Yeah. And uh, Chris kind of mentioned something in the chat that, uh, uh, was rumored earlier this season once uh, Messi came along. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how Eastern Conference teams handle their season ticket packages 
for next year. I think most of them have released their information already. Mm. However, there there was a rumor earlier this year when Messi came over that tickets against Inter Miami were going to be removed from season ticket holder um, packages and sold um, on a a la carte basis, basically. I haven't seen any of those yet, but I think once the schedule gets announced, we, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see like a New England Revolution oh. or a Chicago Fire. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chicago Fire. Like that. Uh, just squeeze as much money out of it. <laughs> I'm still not convinced that we're going to see Messi play on turf. I mean, he's mysteriously been absent so far. Mm. Um, that uh, Charlotte game will be the last one on decision day. So if he's going to play, I guess it'd be that one. I think he'll play. Charlotte, the same team that has drawn the ire of the NFL Players Association for the turf damage that they've done to their players, which yeah. is just it's it's not funny for the players, but it's comical in general that Charlotte tore up their grass field to install turf so that they could have a soccer team. It's such poetic justice for Tepper. He's not going to get that messy money even after he he lied to his fans and promised them grass and then tore up the grass and put down turf. Yeah. It's uh, one of the reasons I always look forward to the Baker Classico every year. <laughs> there you go. We always find a way, like, Charlotte keeps giving you keeps, keeps giving us stuff to talk about. I, I love that. It's too easy. We, we don't, it's never in the notes either. It just like, <laughs> just an organic conversation that always just somehow happens. I love it. See ya, Stuart. Stuart left. He did the Irish yeah. goodbye as we told him to. <laughs> I'm glad. Go. I love it. Phenomenal. <laughs> um, Matt, I, I've been wanting to ask this question anyway. This is the perfect time to bring it up. Chris Gebhardt asked, uh, what were your thoughts about Allianz Field? And was it raining oh. as hard as it looked? Tell us about the trip in general. Anything mm-hmm. you want? Yeah. My trip was fun. Uh, we went up, a uh, buddy of my uh, Jeff and I went up on Friday, late Friday night. We did the Twins game Saturday afternoon city game saturday night and then we went to the minnesota vikings game on sunday so three stadiums in two days that was it's just a fun trip um we we went to blackheart the soccer bar across the across the metro line from allianz that was a great time fans were welcoming Uh, we were giving each other a hard time back and forth and it was it was just a a good atmosphere they're very welcoming um allianz field i honestly think that may be the best soccer specific stadium i've ever been to outside of city park that's cool. I, was this your first I, time there? Yes, first time there. I've been to uh, uh, Sporting Kansas City. I've been to Sporting Park, Children's Mercy. Uh, been to uh, Lower.com in Columbus, TQL in Cincinnati, uh, Austin Q2, and PayPal Park out in San Jose. And I was I was pretty blown away by Allianz Field. The architecture in it is super cool as you're walking up to it. It's got kind of like a curvature to it that really sets itself apart from when you're walking up to any other stadium. It just seems so, and and it, it retains that that soccer specific stadium look, unlike TQL, which v- feels very much like a spaceship dropped in in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I think they went overboard on their light show and display on the outside. It it is much more inviting and much more just down to earth in uh, at Allianz, even though the location leaves some to be desired so it's not in downtown st paul it's more like in between minneapolis and st paul on the st paul side but there's also some like department stores right across the street it's it's one of those kinds of things the metro line is pretty close but so location wise left things to be desired but inside the inside the stadium was fantastic 
it, it very much felt like what I hoped it would feel like watching it on TV, where we were in the opposite quarter from the Wonder Wall, but their section looks fun. Like ours at City Park is fantastic. It's wide. Theirs is one of those that is the entire side, the entire end line is supporters, and they it's not built um, symmetrically. It's almost built like you could, first of all, they have the loon graphic in their seats. Um, and it's built like kind of this little wall that curves itself up to the middle. And then on the other hmm. side, they've got a brew hall and it, it's got an old school analog clock or analog clock and scoreboard above it. Hmm. So it gives really kind of this old timey vibe to it. In addition cool. to the lights that you can see displayed on the outside, you can see it on the inside too, on the inside of the canopy architecture. That's kind of a cool vibe. So it's it's got a, a nice mix of old and new. The brew pub itself was really fun. They stayed open for it's kind of like uh, the Ultra Club or uh, Hellcat. Mm-hmm. It stays open for a little bit after the game, and we were just hanging out, and that was fun. So it was just a it was a really nice architecturally looking stadium. It was a nice atmosphere. Uh, it was pouring rain for the entire game. That was one thing though is their canopy doesn't cover everything, and so um. there was an entire end line by the brew hall opposite from their supporter section that was getting poured on the entire time. And you mm. can probably tell from the broadcast, especially in the second half, how empty it was behind one of the goals. I think it was the goal that St. Louis was shooting shooting on in the second half, if I recall. But that was drenched, and everybody was kind of just scattered from there. Mm. So there's some, you know, with weather and rain and everything, there were definitely some issues in certain parts of the stadium. Uh, but other than that, it was, I would absolutely rate this top-tier stadium. Sounds amazing. I think that's like the number one I want to see. I want to see Columbus too, because uh, a friend of mine. I'm gonna end up going with a friend of mine because he's like a big Columbus guy in general. Just every sports team in in Columbus, um, and Minnesota is Stewart's uh, former home. So yes, it's right. Today. I couldn't stay for this one. But any other thoughts on on Minnesota? I know you saw like three games in one weekend, right? Yeah, that was, I mean, honestly, a city win there was more than we expected. Yeah. And it, it earned us points that we uh, banked very well. And so it allows us to do things like this weekend win and then potentially clinch the conference. Like it makes conversations like that much more real in a game that I don't think many people realistically expected us to go in and win with a rotated lineup. So yeah. the experience was great. The weather, who cares when it's pouring rain as long as City's winning? Like, let it rain, let it pour. Let St. Louis City score because they did, and it was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was just a fun, fun weekend. And I'm glad that we did the business and can look forward to having so much magic happen in Kansas City because when we when we invite Sporting to come play, we talked about it on the radio portion. It's It's got history for St. Louis. It's got history for SKC. So many things for a win can cause so many good things to happen. Talking about getting sole uh, sole leadership of the the best the number one amount of wins from any expansion team. Oh, that would be MLS. amazing. <laughs> that can happen. We could clinch home field, potentially clinch the conference this weekend. Like these are realizing some of those dream expectations or dream visions that we just threw out to the ether at the beginning of the season. It's like, oh, what's your expectations? Well, we'd love to make the playoffs. But thinking in the back of our mind, like we saw what happened with City Two last year, we saw what Lutz is Lutz and Bradley Carnell are bringing in. Like things could be possible. Like pie in our, pie in the sky, but you don't want to you don't want to say it into existence. You don't want right. to put it out yeah. there too early. But now that it's happening, it's getting really really hard not to keep saying these things and to keep just th- touting them wherever you can, shouting them into the Twitterverse and 
because why not be a proud St. Louis city fan? That's my, that's my biggest takeaway is no other expansion team can really say this. And no other expansion team has ever won their conference. That's, that's a fact. So if, if this, if, and when, if slash when this does happen, be proud, tout it to the world. This is something that we can own until it's not ours to own. And, and we should be absolutely proud of what this organization has put together consistently, what the fan base has done in showing out, traveling, all of the things. And it's led to some other fan bases really getting annoyed with us in, in how much we <laughs> like to tout our own, toot our own horn a lot. But we've earned it at this point. This isn't unearned confidence. Are you talking about Cincinnati? No, it doesn't I ring a bell. It doesn't ring a bell. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we haven't we haven't won hardware, but at some point you have to say, okay, what you your body of work so far, like hardware or no hardware yet, because you're still in the middle of the season. It's yeah. not like we're gonna go out and put a TIFO out that says we crushed this league just because we won the conference. Like that's not that's not our style. Mm-mm-mm. But we can still yeah. talk about how proud we are of our team and the historic nature of every step of the way. I love it. I love it. It's it's so hard to believe. Like I, I, every once in a while, I think about the beginning of the season and the expectations everybody had, like including us, or even when when we asked uh, Lutz and Bradley Carnell. And um, like to me personally, like I said, yeah, the team will be competitive. We'll probably be, we'll probably be in the bubble towards the end of the season. But look where the team is right now. And I remember um, Lutz didn't commit. He was like, we're not going to say we're going to be in the sixth position, fifth position or whatever, but we know we're going to be competitive. And they always talk about these internal goals. And uh, it's just amazing to see it come to fruition and and the team uh, making history, like breaking records uh, week to week. And now it's about to break another one. And, and we're gonna we'll talk more the historical like context of it all after the season when all is said and done. But this week especially, Chris Gebhardt mentioned in the chat, FCC brought this out, and it's it's off of some <laughs> admittedly dumb Twitter poll where it was a goal of the week nominee, and because one of their nameless, faceless fan accounts called Jabulu Blom a scumbag, like yeah. the city army and the South African army joined together to say, absolutely not. Like you don't do that about our, probably our most beloved player. And, and to me, it comes full circle from when MLS to STL was a thing. And I mean, I, I do mean MLS to STL back in 2016, 2017, wow. when we had the bid with Jim Cavanaugh and Paul Edgerly, when we were putting it to the public vote in St. Louis city. Everybody remembers that Mm -hmm. the city that we were competing with at the time for an MLS bid was Cincinnati, the team that got an MLS team because we didn't because our vote failed was Cincinnati. (sighs) They were they were the bridesmaid to our bride and they never let us live it down after that happened that they got a team and we did not making it seem like it was a failure on St. Louis's part to be wanted by MLS, which which is quite the opposite. And it led to the fact that. Cincinnati claims that that their their catastrophic three year run, their three year wooden spoon run was because they only had nine months to build a roster because they were they they won their bid in like May of 2018 and they started in 2019. The only reason but they that was their that, choice. It was not that only was their, their choice. choice right? 
it no? was part of their it was it was definitely their choice but it was part of their selling themselves to mls saying okay. hey we have we have a stadium ready to go we're using cincinnati university of cincinnati stadium we have a roster that's that's crushing usl we can just take that <laughs> and start to migrate that over to MLS and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. We're good to go in nine months. It was part of their bid to sell themselves. Some of their fans were even admitting that they might not have gotten MLS if it weren't for that ready-made ability because Nashville, hmm. who Nashville got a bid right before them, just a few months, it was either right before or right after, a few months difference. They waited until 2020 to start. They didn't need to say, oh, we, we're ready to go. We can start right now if you're willing to take us. And so they were able to be much more competitive right off the bat, a lot quicker than Cincinnati was. So the downfall is all on their own, and it does tie back to all of the, the stuff that happened. I'm, I'm really sad that Stu had to drop because he was at the heart and soul with me on this MLS to SDL against MLS to Cincy. It was a thing back in 2017, hmm. and it, it, it still has a lot of scar tissue going on. And so this, this week has peeled that back a little bit. That's why I'm so passionate about the, this Stupid Twitter poll and the the back and forth that's happened this week. Cincy fans won't hear this, but, you know, part of this wasn't even like a St. Louis connection. It's, you know, you were always going to lose that poll. And it's mainly because of Kaiser Chiefs in South, <laughs> South Africa. Africa. Like, they don't know the that thing. South Africa and Kaiser Chiefs fans show out online for Jabula Blum. Like, just go crazy for him. So, like... You know, add that to maybe feeling better about what happened with that poll. But, you know, the ugliness came outside of that poll, really, more so than the poll itself. So it is what it is. Um, man, Matt, you they called you Spicy Matt on uh, YouTube here just now, and you got spicy there. I forgot. I forgot about yeah. them getting their bid that way. I'll, I'll own the spiciness. And it, <laughs> I, I feel like it's been – who was it? Um, there was one of the Nashville fans – yeah, one of the Nashville fans had had commented about like he was hoping or waiting or something for Cincinnati and St. Louis fans. And I told him, I was like, it's just been laying dormant for six years now. And it's been waiting to pop off for a lot of us who have been following things and been passionate about trying to get a team here for that long. And yeah, they they can't rest on their own fact that they're finally a first place team. It's there, there, there's no humble pie as part of this. And man, I was looking because this is this Cincinnati is like the Cincinnati I think of when they were in the USL because they had great a great team almost every year in the USL and they let us know it and you know mm -hmm. once they got those years of of humility I thought it was going to disappear I thought it was going to be better and I also worried that St Louis fans might have too much success and become FC Cincinnati fans and just, Oh, I hope not. No, I don't think like, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it would be happening already. Um, I'm proud of St. Louis fans for not, you know, being disgusting about this. At least if they were, I missed it. Um, but I think they held their own and did well. And I'm really proud of what I saw yeah. St. Louis fans on here. They took it easy and they took the, the crazy fandom in stride, the online, idiocy and stride and just moved past it for the most part. And I like, I love that. I, I do think there's a, a, definitely a large measure of, um, appropriate reactions for St. Louis fans. Like there's going to be your, your fan accounts who kind of tit for tat type of thing. Yeah. But by and large, if you look back at what St. Louis fans have gotten hyped about and how and why, and what they've said and everything, it's mostly been reactionary, honestly, mm -hmm. to to national pundits counting us out, to fans yeah. saying, you're new here, sit down, type of a thing. When we keep winning, 
It's like, it, and that's what has enabled us is not just keep keep winning, but the manner in which we win and the way that our roster was constructed. Yeah. Because all of those things inform this blue collar down to earth mentality, where it's not just happy to be here. It's appreciating the things that we've been able to do because of the players that nobody expected to be able to do those things. Like but, Josh Yarrow, AZ Jackson, yeah. Akil Watts, Sam Adeneron, castaways from other MLS and USL sides. Yeah. Who we've been able to turn into just pure shining diamonds. I feel like the fans like the players, like the staff. It's it's all this attitude of a chip on our shoulder. And that's, let's keep it in that zone, everybody. Let's keep yeah. it like right there because the second we become the best fans in baseball or, you know, if we take, I'm so glad we pumped the brakes on the soccer capital thing and now we're like, we found the thing we're going to be proud of and we're sick of arguing with it outside of the two or three games that we have with KC. Like, I love where everything is settled in. Like, we can be, we can go crazy with that when we play Kansas City and other than that, let's just have that chip on our shoulders. Let's not go crazy. Let's not start declaring that we're the best thing this planet's ever seen. I've not seen that from St. Louis and St. Louisans on the whole. Let's keep it there, everybody. I love the way that our fans have been so far. And on game day, we're unmatched and we're still not braggy about it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's going well. I love it. So keep it up, everybody, if you're listening. This is good stuff. Hundred percent. Um, I have. I think I'm gonna play a clip for you guys. I've, there's. Well, sorry. There's a conversation I haven't asked you guys if you want to have. Is there anything we need to talk about before we go into another topic that I know you guys will be interested in talking about? Is that? Oh, I want to talk about City Two at some point. Well, let's yeah, do that yeah, first. Yeah, me too. And then if there's no Somebody time for this, on, it's fine. on the chat. Yeah. Please do. Oh, it was Chris. It was Chris, and uh, that was before Stu left. So yeah, yeah. We, we need to talk City Two. Yeah, the playoff cool. match, of course. Yeah. Right. So the first thing, if, if anybody's not familiar, but they're listening to this of why or why we're playing Earthquakes 2. This was so MLS cool. Next Pro in, instituted a new policy for their playoff uh, selection process. And it was basically the number one, number two, number three seeds in the conference got to choose their own adventure, choose their own opponent. And so you had the top of the table conference teams of uh, the Tacoma Defiance and Santi, who was the other one? Uh, Tacoma Defiance, uh, Sporting KC, Austin. So was the it ones Tacoma and Sporting? The, the ones picking were Tacoma and Sporting. So Tacoma yeah, so, picked Houston. Two, Tacoma yeah. picked the last place team, Houston, and then Which made Sporting sense, you KC. figure. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead. No, you, you had it, yeah. And then Sporting Kansas City came up, and they posted a video afterwards of all of the <laughs> coaches, GMs. It was Benny Failhaber, Lutz, Fenn, and Shield were on the call. And Benny says, scared money, don't make money. Oh, and then he God. picks Austin FC, a, a team higher up in the table from St. Louis City, too. And if ben you Lutz haven't seen shows- the video... Lutz shows more emotion than I've ever seen this man show. That was TV. amazing. <laughs> if you ha- yeah, if you haven't seen Colorado Rapids two got a buy. That's what I'm thinking of earlier and why they didn't. Yes, do. Colorado Rapids two had a buy. Yeah. Uh, so so in the table, Tacoma, Sporting Kansas City, Austin two, City two, Earthquakes two, Dynamo two. Tacoma picked Houston, Dynamo two, the bottom. When Sporting picked uh, when Sporting picked Austin, it was with Benny's tongue in cheek. I hope of scared money don't make money. Lutz lost it on the video. Go back and watch it because <laughs> so good. 
you you want to play poker with this loose. He he does not he does not hide anything. He just sits back in his chair. He just laughs. He throws his arms up, and he says he he says to Benny that. He's like, oh, I thought for sure you were going to pick us. We already had our bus picked out. It wasn't they, joking. They, they, no, that's awesome. He was like, we'll have yeah. to cancel it, but I'm, I'm happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the scared money don't make money is hilarious because. Yeah, that's good stuff. Looking at, looking at these teams, and I talked to one of the Kansas City guys, um, uh, Mike by the byline, who used to be uh, with the SB Nation affiliate for sporting. And he, he made the point that, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Like, mm-hmm. this was the right pick for Sporting KC2. Austin has been in terrible form lately. They've fallen off from what their form was at the beginning of the season. They're awful away. So it just makes sense for Sporting KC2 to pick mm-hmm. Austin. Like, the way the team's form has been, that it, it makes sense statistically. What doesn't make sense is when you say scared money don't make money as your justification. Because <laughs> if, you're, if you're wanting to test yourself against the most informed team that is available to select there's only one option and it's city two home and away since july st louis city two has been on fire they found their consistent roster they found their key playmakers in johnny klein caden glover faisal batachi they've had massive performances by michael Venzel, by max schneider juan cousin sergio rivas uh all of these players have put City 2 on such an amazing trajectory since the start of their season. To finish 11, 8, and 9, to finish with a plus 10 goal differential, they've they've done the impossible compared to what they were doing earlier in the year. And so now St. Louis City 2 gets to pick their opponent, which you look at in the table, City, finish, City 2 finished 5th, the Earthquakes 2 finished 6th, now City 2, because of Benny Failhaber's uh, let's just say his his guardedness against playing City Two, because of that, City Two gets to host a playoff game this Sunday at City Park. First ever playoff game at City Park. First ever professional playoff game. It's at five o'clock. City Two has been going all out in trying to sell this. I've I've gotten message. I, I know supporters groups have talked about it. I know that the club has sent out uh, uh, reminders of tickets. I know they've done a special thing for season ticket holders, inviting them to be the the bench warmers. So getting to go over pitch side, awesome things for for season ticket holders for City Two. I've even got messages from the CYC here in St. Louis uh, with discounted tickets. Uh-huh. So they're going through youth organizations. They're trying to pack the park as quickly as possible. So it'll be interesting to see how full it gets compared to the the two record breaking attendances that they've had earlier this year. But regardless. This is uh, this is a team that you don't want to bet against. This is a team with Johnny Klein having been just awarded the goal of the year for his bicycle kick uh, at City Park to end the season. And with Caden Glover, Faisal Batachi so in form, the offense is is firing on all cylinders. And this is going to be a really fun team to watch Sunday at 5 p.m. It is. And it's a good mix. It's a cool mix of players. Yes, it's much younger, and I think they had to learn how to get their feet under them under this, you know, this roster that they have. Um, but you know, the fact that we got some, the fact that Juan Cousin's coming off the bench in most of these games is that, insane. That's crazy. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I mean, just so much firepower off the bench, and so many kids to throw in there at the end and and fill these slots and use their legs and 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 learn and improve. Um, you know, it's been great. You know, I listened to Scuffed podcast recently. 
and their best episodes every year are the ones talking about the um, the youth system in the United States. And so they did a U17 because the U17 World Cup's coming up. And they talked about that. And, you know, Caden Glover got some talk on there. I don't think they're, like, mm-hmm. in love with Caden Glover by any means. But he's going to be in that World Cup, I think. And um, the fact that he's, you know, in past years, um, there have been guys getting more um, pro minutes in this U17 cycle than what has happened recently. And they're blaming COVID a little bit for that. That's totally fine. It's going to happen. But Caden's one of those guys that's gotten some pro minutes this year, and that's pretty unusual in that group. And so it's not a lot. He has a score. He has a score, too. Yes. Well, in in he has, next he scored, but he got some minutes with the senior team too, right? I think it was one he, game. Yeah, he uh, one. I think it was one game against Chicago. Yeah, so that's pretty rare. And so the fact that he is where he is in his development and he's gotten some pro minutes this year is it's a big deal. Not every team's willing to take that chance or, um, you know, give those kids those minutes because they're precious. You know, look at our roster; it's very precious to give those guys minutes. And so. Very cool to hear that about Caden Glover and that he's going to be one of the more experienced players in that in that World Cup on the USA team. And what City 2's done in the back half of their season is really fallen into a groove. I, I, I look mm-hmm. at the a typical starting lineup over the past few months with City 2, and, and if you compare it to what we were seeing at the beginning of the season, which was a mix of City players getting sent down, like Akil Watts, AZ Jackson, to see significant minutes with them, um, along with some, like Caden Glover was injured for a period of time. Miguel Perez saw some minutes with City too. Mm. There was a lot of flux. There was a lot of t- trying to figure out with guys who had played with City Two last year, coming up from the academy. Like, where does everybody fit in? But just looking at their lineups for the past few weeks, you're seeing a pretty consistent starting eleven overall. Like Ezra Armstrong at the left back position, once he recovered from his injury, mm-hmm. has been amazing out there. Like, I, he's a guy who I would not mind. Uh, being offered a city contract. I think he's he's at that point. I, I would love to see it from a just he, he's such a an amazing person and he's such an amazing part of of St. Louis soccer. Now he loves the fans. He will sign autographs for days like he's just a good dude. Past few weeks, Lucas Bartlett has joined Michael Venzel as a center back. And so seeing mm-hmm. Lucas Bartlett get minutes down with City 2 has been great after what we saw him do when Nilsson wasn't there. Yeah. Nolan McGuire. Nolan McGuire has actually he's, become. He's amazing. Guy. He's been yeah. so good. Nolan McGuire I like is, him a lot. Me too. Nolan McGuire, along with uh, Caden Glover and uh, a lot, Miguel Perez earlier in the season, uh, Max Schneider, like these guys who can, they're coming up. Max Schneider wasn't with our academy, but you've got Nolan McGuire, who's just the latest person. Makai Joyner is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Aaron Hurd, Riley Gibbs. These are Josh Mayer. Don't forget Josh Mayer. Yeah. These are all guys who have seen consistent wow. minutes for this win streak for City 2 who have come up from the academy that started now three years ago they, or is in their third season, have come up through the UPS, saw minutes with UPSL side and now seeing featured with professional City 2. Like the pathway is presenting itself in such an in your face manner because these guys complement people that we can bring on like Max Schneider from last year, like Faisal Batachi. We kept Juan Cousin and Sergio Rivas seeing significant minutes. Johnny Klein being drafted straight out of SLU. Michael Vinsel signed from, from Europe. All of these guys from different areas that they're putting in here, they found a groove and they found kind of the, the answer to unlock it all from the Academy, from external signings from city Two last year and city coming down. It's amazing to see how 
they've they've just figured it out. And credit to Bobby Murphy for figuring the lineup, figuring the players, mm-hmm. and figuring himself out as a coach and what he needs to do to unlock the the potential in these players. That's like seeing all of this come together after this this full season in which. Halfway through the season, you figure, okay, this is just now the development league. We don't need to worry about it as much. Like they're gonna throw city players down there. They're gonna be fun to watch. And if they if they win a game here and there, that it is what it is. But we we kind of see that it might end up being this way. But no, it's the competitiveness when you put all these pieces together in the different development stages that these players are at and their ability to come together under Bobby Murphy has been very impressive. The uh <laughs> I heard recently it was uh, Lutz um, had a, a quote, and he says this every few months, and it is so cool. I just love his vision. You know, everything you just said, Matt, about, like, pulling players from our academy, but also, like, looking abroad, that is, if you guys don't know, that that's part of what Philly Union does. Like, they don't just pull from their own. They look around the world. So he's, you know, unsurprisingly perfectly running this uh, City 2 team in the academy and he says every couple months he says something like we will be relying on these academy players to be our best players going forward he's not just like saying we need them to fill some slots here and there he's relying on them being like we're gonna have the next ricardo pepe or you know the next sullivan kid that's coming up that's supposed to be the next best american player and he's 13 right now and he might play in this u17 world cup like He's expecting to get that out of St. Louis. And the talents here, they just need some guidance and opportunities. And now they, they're getting that. And I'm so excited about that, especially. And, and if you're not watching City 2, please watch it. You know, if you're a good Cardinals fan, if you're the best Cardinals fan, you're watching the Redbirds and you're watching the Springfield Cardinals and, and down on even lower than that. You know, all these players coming up from the, from below and you got to be watching our academy. You got to be watching our City 2 players because they are our future. And you can see the talent. Some of these kids are ready already. Matt named them all. Yeah. They're ready. They can get there. They can serve a purpose. Not only that, in one or two years, they may be some of our better players. I'm so excited for it. And we're seeing it already with with the first team. Yeah. We're seeing Akil Watts getting minutes. Uh, Joel Jarrow, even though he's a player with previous MLS experience, uh, now he's important for the first team. Kyle Heaver, like you're already seeing the results of CD2. Uh, but I want I want to ask you guys a question since Matt kind of brought it up with uh, when he was talking about Ezra. Um, I, I was thinking, ah, is it too early to ask about this? But since you brought it up, what would be your over under number of CD two players that get a first team contract for 2024? <laughs> it's not going to be as high as I want. <laughs> well. I struggle with this question because Me there's too. a push pull. There's a push pull of remaining competitive for City, but still giving the opportunity for those who've earned it. Mm. But I do on players like Ezra, I do point to the success that the organization has had with Josh Yarrow, with Neil mm-hmm. Watts. Um, AZ Jackson's a little on the young side too, but some of these guys who others have clearly cast away. And they're not they're not young like to where we can expect to develop them and sell them on for a significant amount, but that can be meaningful contributors in an open cup competition, in a league's cup competition, that you could loan down if you need to to City Two, so they could still remain competitive there. They could fill in during injuries. And Ezra plays left back. 
what's the one position that we've really struggled with throughout the year to find our identity in? Left back. Yeah. It could he could be the answer. And I didn't answer your question at all about the over under. I'm just <laughs> I, I purposefully. I'll, I'll say um, it's a good exercise, say, though. Does uh, does Caden Glover count and does Max Schneider count because they are already under contract? Uh, mm, no, I will say ah. no because they already have a contract. Ah, uh, I know, I know. Uh, no, I will say no. Let's I, change I, the question because I do think I, I don't think Glover counts, but I think Schneider counts. I think yeah, I over under Schneider, on yeah. those players who are going to get minutes with the senior team because Schneider didn't get minutes, minutes, so that's why I don't count him. They, I'll say two if minutes counts as as depth, and they'll see U.S. Open Cup, Leagues Cup, injuries. They'll yeah. fight for spots on the game day roster. I'll say two from City Two this year. And I will say yeah, it, two minimum. Like it has to be at least two. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think it could be as high as four. So I'll say four. It, like as like I would really like to see four get a chance. And then I, I I would say one might be a homegrown, which won't count in that number. Right. Um, but I I would love to see four. Yeah, if it's minutes and Snyder counts, uh, my answer is three. Okay. Yeah, we're all on the same page, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I could go with three as, if Schneider counts. Yeah, as a, as a podcast, I think we're basically saying three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great and you question, know, Santiago. Like, Thanks, man. Just, just as an aside, because City 2, it's building on the conversation of development players with City 2. Um, we do have a UPSL team. That is not a professional yes. or not a professional team. They're amateurs. It's it's the bridge between the U17 Academy and City Two. I think it's it's not a specific age limitation. I don't think, but it's basically like a U21, U23 type of a team, and it's coached by Charlie Rankin. I think he's the head coach, if I remember correctly. And we're seeing, um, I we're seeing Luis. Oh, Luis Swisher. I'm so sorry. Yes, yes, you're right. It's Luis Swisher. Yes, you're right. Um, Thank you for not letting me get that wrong. But we're seeing guys like, remember Jackson Delkus talking about him with the Academy, the, yeah, the yes. headband, the, the, yeah. the giant. Uh, he's, he scored three goals in four games with the UPSL side this year. I'm looking at their stats. It's UPSL.com. And just check out City's Academy team on there. They're doing great to start this year. Uh, they do a fall season. They do a spring season. Anthony Falpel, he's also he saw time with City Two last year. He came up from the academy. He's got three goals. Kai Pope has three goals. Nate Harmon three goals. Riley Gibbs, who's seen time with City Two, has two goals. So I just want to give a quick plug to the fact that our our development throughout the levels of the academy, we're seeing guys who started in the U16 level, who's now at the UPSL level, thinking of Jackson Delkus and are still progressing up like that's what that's why you pay attention to the academy you don't need to like dig into every single player because the stats are hard to find for the academy they don't do a yeah. great job with mls next of publishing it all but when you hear big names when the city academy twitter or when city city two when they highlight certain players just keep them in mind because they're developing into the true future of our organization and these are the guys that we can expect to see homegrown contracts in the future and it's so cool just to say I remember watching them when they were in the academy, and now they're scoring goals in MLS. Just yeah, I just think about that, like 2021 when the academy started playing, and we went to some of those games, and yeah. you still you keep seeing some of those names, like uh, Miguel Perez is now with the first team. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Jackson Delcus. He he next following year he went he, basically this year he played with the U17s, yes. and now he's with the UPSL. So. So it's awesome to see. 
And, and some of them are getting uh, national team call-ups with the youth team, mm-hmm. like attending youth camps. Tyson Pierce, we haven't even talked about Tyson Pierce <laughs> yeah. in all of this, and he has a homegrown contract for next year. <laughs> so he counts. <laughs> he counts. Yes. Man, so much goodness coming up about that. So I can't wait for the that playoff game, the first <laughs> city. I totally didn't think about that. The first city playoff game in City Stadium. That's going to be so much fun so are, are you are you guys going i i, I need to make sure <laughs> it just I'm happened and you. i haven't checked my schedule yet to be honest i assume i was going i was going to drop everything i had and just go it's <laughs> a nice yeah, assumption I, yeah i know yeah i I'm, I'm looking forward to it um i uh well you guys know like um when city plays like yeah i'm watching the games but i'm working so i really enjoy going to city two's games just because i'm really yeah like with the supporters and you be a fan just no worry about anything be a fan uh so i'm looking forward to to going on on sunday and hanging out on the north end Pretty sure I can go, and I intend to go. So we'll see what kind of shape I'm in. We're supposed to start early on Saturday with no kids and extended family who are partiers. So, mm. and there's you might lots be going on. Recovery mode. Yeah. Do, do they like soccer? It's gonna hurt. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, we're all obsessed with soccer. Yeah. And so there's a lot to do this weekend. Let's close with this: is I intend to go to the Urban Chestnut. Um, Oktoberfest at some point Saturday. So say hi if you see me. I'll probably wear this exact jersey. I'll wear it again. Um, and uh, also that Tim Parker thing at Four Hands is on Sunday, yes. right? Yeah, I, Sunday. I think you were... I don't think uh, we started streaming the wind down when, when we said this, but Stu and I were talking about Oktoberfest, I think, while you were stepping away. Yeah. And that I, I think I'm going on Friday debating wearing my city jersey under my lederhosen. <laughs> So if you go Friday, you might see me. If you go Sunday, you might see uh, Phil. And we're also- just an Oktoberfest, one of the best things, one of the best events of the year. It's going to be fun. And then the Parker Pilsner Party. I don't know if that's what it's really called, but four hands out in the district in Chesterfield. They're oh, going yeah. to uh, on Sunday, I believe at one o'clock. So city sporting on Saturday night. The Parker Pilsner Party, uh, 1 p.m., I think, uh, in the district in Chesterfield. Four hands, new brewery. And then City 2's playoff game, 5 p.m. Sunday. That's a lot of drinking, everybody. Let's get ready. (laughs) That's it from us. We went over tonight, but boy, was it fun. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Go City! Vamos City!